Welcome to episode 25 of the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is part of the Basketball News Podcast Network. I'm excited to chat with today's guest because he's the leading expert when it comes to the NBA salary cap and collective bargaining agreement. He's the creator of the CBA FAQ. He's written for ESPN, the New York Times, and other outlets. He's also the GM of the Sports Business Classroom. My guest is Larry Kuhn. Larry, thanks for joining me. How are you? Alex Kennedy, I'm doing great. It's good to be on your show. Yeah, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to start off, we'll talk a little about the sports business classroom and things in a bit in your career, but I want to start off talking about this upcoming offseason. You're obviously the biggest CBA expert. Everyone knows that. So let's talk about some of the cap space and, and you know, things that we're expecting this offseason. I want to start with the Lakers because recently we've heard them linked to a lot of big names. Uh, we always hear the Lakers linked to big names, it seems. But this offseason, it's already been Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kyle Lowry, DeMar DeRozan. There's a, pl- there's a bunch of names that have been thrown out there, but it seems like they have very limited flexibility when you look at the numbers. Uh what options that the Lakers have this offseason? And do you think we could see them land a big name? Yeah. So first of all, the history of the Lakers is the history of rumors being linked with every free agent going to them. Um, and part of that is that rumors just fly around and they're the, the glamour team that that rumors are attached to. But also they do swing for the fences. Um, and they do sometimes land the big fish, and it, it would be nice to see that. But the third thing, you know, we were even saying a, a few minutes ago when we were talking that agents can even play their their guys against other teams, either to create interest or or to create urgency for another team to be able to sign somebody. Hey, they're going to go sign. We're going to sign with the Lakers if you're not stepping up with that extra two million dollars. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, I, I look and see the rumors that have happened. You know, one of them was just along the lines of, well, if CP3 opts out, his his best friend is on the Lakers, so of course they should call him. Well, yeah, but but Chris Paul is not going to opt out of that huge deal. You know, if he does opt out of a huge deal, it's going to be in order to maybe take a, a smaller deal, but for more years so he can yeah. maximize that, right? He's not going to opt out in order to take a $10 million mid-level exception with the Lakers. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't even call that 100% because if you go way back with the Lakers, that happened too, right? Um, Gary Payton and Carl Malone went and signed with the Lakers for, for the mid-level and, and the minimum or the, or the biannual, I think, and played the one year, you know, with the Lakers, at at really tiny salary and, you know, made it again to the finals and lost to Detroit when Carmelo mainly got hurt. But, okay, you can't put, you can't say anything's 100%. I doubt something like that is going to happen. I think it's more of, gee, wouldn't it be nice if, and then the, the, the rumors start snowballing. And yeah, I've heard Dame Lillard, uh, you know, I've, I've heard Russ Westbrook, you know, Westbrook, um, could be in a situation where just by his huge contract, he is a uh, the, there. There's less equity in his value in trade than uh, you know. Obviously, you want a guy who's on scale salary, who's a, who's a star. Those are harder to find. Uh, the reason he would be tradable is probably because his salary is so big. But then that puts the onus on you to pony up a huge salary in trade in order to get a guy like that. And then you can say with, with Dame Lillard, um, there's no way under normal circumstances 
that Neil O'Shea would, would want to trade him, period, or want to trade him to the Lakers. But then there's the personal part of this, where if he says, I want you to trade me, and I want to go to the Lakers, then you know that kind of thing could happen. And that did happen recently, right? We, we think one of the big reasons AD is a Laker is because he said, you know, I doubt you're going to lose me. I want to go to LA, trade me there. And of course, David Griffin was able to that to squeeze the basically every draft asset they have for seven years. Uh, you know, if it's if it's protected by the stepping rule, then he gets a swap on it. So um, it, it, it's it's a tough thing to do something that big in the first place. Um, and in, in the best of circumstances, it happens when the team has the assets to be able to trade. You look at the Lakers and what they have right now. AD isn't going in anywhere. LeBron isn't going anywhere. Everybody else is a free agent. You know, what are you talking about? Kyle Kuzma, uh, KCP, maybe a sign and trade with Schroeder to, to fill, facilitate him moving somewhere. They don't really have marketable draft assets because those all kind of went away already. So I, it, I look at that and I'm more skeptical then optimistic that something like that's going to happen. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I think for the what Russell Westbrook rumor, it was like sign and trade Schroeder, sign and trade THT, Kyle Kuzma, a bunch of draft picks. And he was just like, wait a second. How Some guy make- with the ESPN trade machine going, that works. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we've always seen agents have mentioned the Lakers because A, they know that it's going to get tons of attention and the rumor will spread out there and everyone's going to talk about it. So it gets their guy in the spotlight. Um, and yeah, and, and B, too, I know some guys, some agents have pushed their players to Lakers because they feel like, hey, you go there, you're on national TV all the time. You're going to be able to, you know, get a big payday the following year. But it's just hard to imagine with the Lakers current situation them being able to land one of those big name players. So I'm glad you kind of agree. I, I was kind of confused how that would happen. Um, when you look at this offseason, who are the teams that you are paying close attention to in terms of, you know, the teams with the most most cap space or teams that could be very active? Well, you know, obviously the the Knicks are the team that could generate a ton of cap room. Um, Miami's an interesting one because uh, just because of their their situation, um, a, a team in a given season can can either operate as a cap team or a tax or or a room team, and those just mean they have actual spendable cap room to use, and then they're chasing signing free agents. As a cap team, they don't have cap room; they have exceptions. And sometimes those are trade exceptions that are big and teams in that situation are there, you know, they can't go out and sign whomever they want for a high salary because all they have is the mid-level, but there's a lot of operating room there. Miami is in a situation where they have stuff that they have to do and they have the ability to go either way. So depending on a a couple of, of their uh, free agents, uh, p- a potential free agents where they have team options on them, like Andre Vida, um, th- they they can either uh, you know pick up the option and stay above the cap and operate as a cap team and try to work, or they can drop and get some cap room. It's a max cap room, which is kind of an issue, um, but maybe not so much because it's a great free agent market this year, to be honest. So maybe it's not like. 2019, where a team had to clear immense room in order to be competitive for one of a number of really good free agents that were out there. Uh, And um, so Miami could really go either way. Um, 
you know, there's a couple of other teams that have the ability to clear room. OKC is an interesting team as well because they basically have every draft pick for the next seven drafts. <laughs> you know, it's like OKC gets to draft 60 players per draft, basically. Um, and at some point, OKC will want to parlay picks into players because obviously they're not going to pick a player with all those those picks and 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 you know just just have survivor OKC you know <laughs> to see who actually makes the team every year. Um, so at some point they're they're going to want to trade those picks, and if they trade those picks for players, trading a pick for a player is tough because in the trade math, a pick has a dollar value of zero, and a player does not. So you can't go up by a lot. When when you're you're just trading a draft pick, you have to throw players into the mix, which means that OKC's trade exceptions uh, become a solution to that problem. You can trade a draft pick for a player if the player fits into a trade exception you have. So now you have some flexibility there, but it means they have to keep those trade exceptions, which means they have to stay a cap team and not a room team. So just from a Cap geek perspective. I'm kind of interested in seeing what they're doing. There, there's a few other teams that have the ability to do stuff, but those are kind of the ones I'm interested in watching. I think I've always loved your work, and I think uh, you know the CBA FAQ has been so helpful over the years. How did you first get interested in the collective bargaining agreement and kind of you know becoming an expert in this area? Yeah, so I mean, I've been involved in internet discussion groups since before websites. Even you know there were there were predecessors to that, and everybody's an armchair GM, of course. They you have your team, you want to know how that team could get better. Oh, I want this team to make this move. Well, you know, can they? What are the rules? Apparently, nobody really knows what the rules are. You can find the rules for basketball really easy. Uh, you know, the size of the court, rims ten feet high, three second rule, everything else. The, the rules for how the league works, sort of the, the, the chess game of putting together a team, doing trades, signings, all that, those were nowhere at the time. And I come from a computer science background. FAQs were a common thing if you develop some expertise in something. So I'm going, I want an FAQ on, on the NBA's salary cap and collective bargaining agreement. It didn't exist. And I was frustrated. I knew from reading media reports that they didn't know either. And I could tell that they were getting it wrong at least half the time because one thing would contradict another. They can't both be right. So I just set out to write the kind of thing that I wanted to have. And I just come from a research and analytical background. So I was able to put it together. I accidentally did a, a good enough job that it it became popular among, among people. Uh, and and I would just like gently write to media people after that. And because I really had three audiences in mind at the time. Number one was me. Number two was my friends that I argue with on the internet and like anybody else. And number three, I wanted to kind of help the media out, kind of give, give back a little bit on that. So I would just write to them when they would write something that was wrong and just say, hey, just so you know, you wrote this. This is actually what the rule is. And just so you know it, there's an FAQ out here for you to fact check. And it, it kind of snowballed from there. I was fortunate enough to make connections inside the league with the people that deal with the CBA. So not only to get my questions answered, which was great, but also in order to really have deep discussions and kind of the philosophical underpinnings of stuff, because that's when you really understand it. 
And then when you want to really, really, really understand it, you put a guide out on the internet for people to read, and then you become the answer guy for everybody in the world. <laughs> so anybody who had any question, they would email me and sometimes, oh yes, read, read the thing. It's right there. Right. Sometimes they're really tough questions and I'm having to call the league and they're going, well, I don't know. We haven't defined that yet. We don't know. Yeah. So, but, but your level of knowledge and expertise when you're in that situation really goes up. And then eventually it just began to snowball. They would start using the FAQ. Then they would start quoting the FAQ. Then they would start quoting me. Then they would start featuring me it's like, hey, this guy's got an interesting story. Let's, you know, do something. And then they would start bringing me in, in to write. So that's when I started writing for New York Times and got involved with ESPN uh, for a long time. And, and then, you know, TV stuff starts from there and, you know, podcast, radio, stuff like that. You just kind of become known as the guy uh, completely accidentally, I do have mm-hmm. to say. Uh, but then that also led to, uh, hey, if you want to teach this kind of thing, I'd be glad to take it. And I was like, I, I've been a teacher. I don't want to, I don't like, I love teaching. I don't like the, the, all the, everything that goes around it. But nonetheless, um, I got involved with the people at Summer League who, you know, Summer League is about making the game better, right? It's about training and finding the next people on the court, the referees, the, the coaches, developing them, everybody in the front offices. And this is sort of the front office version of that, where we're helping to groom, find and groom the next group of people who are going to want those front office jobs, those scouting jobs, those media jobs, analytics jobs, things like that. So that's how we I got started with Sports Business Classroom. And then that's been my outlet of my second career for the last six years. Yeah, and I love the sports business classroom. I, you know, I've I've been over there a few times now and been able to hang out with you guys and see what you do. And I think it's just so amazing. Not only you know you guys get amazing speakers, but you also you know give these guys you know give all the students hands on practice with some of this stuff. You guys do the practicum and the mock trade deadline and all that. And it's so much fun. This year, I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to be there talking to the media students. I know Nikias Duncan's going to be there with me as well. So we're very excited about that. For people that maybe don't know what SBC is, can you kind of give a rundown of, you know, uh, the different tracks that you guys have and then also, you know, how it can benefit them? Yeah. So this is for people who are interested in jobs and sports, or even if you think you might want to look at it and want to dip your toe in the water, or, you know, we get everything because I try to meet people where they are. I get undergrads who are trying to line up, okay, this is the direction I'm heading in the future, uh, even for internships or future classes. I get fresh graduates who are looking to break into the league. I get people who are, who want to see if this is right for them. I get people who are mid-career and are contemplating a career change or people who want to be building their network. And we're there for everybody like that. So we are immersed in the Las Vegas Summer League. We are part and parcel of the NBA Summer League, which means we're in the arena. We are bringing the best of everybody at Summer League, which alone is the best environment to be in maybe in all of sports, if you're interested in getting immersed with something, because the entire league is there for over a week in a relaxed environment. And yeah, COVID makes it a little bit more difficult. We're taking precautions this year, but the, the people are out there. They're available. You're in and among them. We bring the best to you. So people from Adam Silver, Mark Cuban, a whole bunch of GMs, a whole bunch of head coaches, all the way down to you know the more working people, assistant GMs, basketball operations people, scouts, video coordinators, analytics people, agents, 
we bring them in to 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 um, speak to you, to work with you, one-on-one networking with you, um, in addition to putting you out in the arena doing stuff, your scouting games with NBA scouts, your, if you're a media broadcast student, you're broadcasting from the sidelines, doing podcasts, things like that. So it's, it's an immersive opportunity that I think does not exist anywhere else. I, and again, I don't know if that exists in any other sport, certainly not another sport in a league at this level. Um, I organize it like a college. Everybody gets a little bit of everything in the GE sections where I want you to be to have a broad base of knowledge where no matter what table you're sitting at, you're going to be conversant and what the topic is and be able to connect the dots on things. That's important to me. Um, but then everybody also picks a major to deep dive in and our majors are the salary cap. So you're getting more exposure to that from me. Uh, scouting video and analytics. So that's where you're going to get deeper into those topics, produce tangible work product and scouting reports, things like that. Media and broadcast where you're going to, uh, again, with you, Alex, getting more of a, of a deep dive into some of the aspects there. In addition to the GE, in addition to there's a term project where this has grown year by year by year. And Alex, you've been directly involved in some of this where I'm going to, excuse me, separate people into small groups the first day, assign each one of them to an NBA team. You're responsible for analyzing that team, who they are, where they are in that whole cycle of of competitiveness. Um, What are their assets, liabilities, strengths, weaknesses, goals? What are they, what are they trying to do? Are they going for a championship? Are they going to reset? What is it? Um, what's the strategy for that? And then what are your tactics? What moves are you going to make to, to reach those goals? You present it for, for, um, to our expert panel to get some feedback before you go to the mock trade deadline. And our panel consists of people working. You know, we have one XGM, for example. We're, we're putting together a good panel who's been there, done that, and can really give good feedback. Then you get to the mock trade deadline where you and every other team are executing this in a live setting where the clock is running, everything that you do, you know, you're negotiating with, with other teams, with agents, uh, the, the league office, quote unquote, um, is making sure that everything makes sense from a CBA perspective. And everything you do has got to make sense from a CBA, a financial and a salary and, um, and a basketball perspective. Um, once, and there's, there's going to be agents there. There's going to be, uh, all sorts of things there. We're, we make it, it's like live ammo as you could possibly be. After you're done with that, you then have to go and kind of do work up your report on how you did. And then you're presenting it back for the panel again. How'd you do? <laughs> did, you know, how, how did your team turn out? Did you, did you meet your goals? Um, and then get some, again, some good feedback from people who've been there, done that, and we're going to pick a winner. In addition to that, we have what we call SBC Summit, which is sort of you know the lunchtime thing. Well, we get top-notch speakers in, and you know, like I said, we've had uh, like in 2019, the last year we did it live, we had uh, Mark Cuban, Mike D'Antoni, Kiki Vandeweghe, Neil O'Shea, the GM of the Blazers, uh, people of that caliber coming in and talking about stuff. And you know, guys like we have Neil O'Shea back this year, and his. Uh, he gives a really, you know, it's not just, hey, let's interview you and talk about your backstory and the things that you've, Neil gets down and dirty with the students <laughs> and tells them exactly what it takes. Um, and, and 
it's worth it for his, if you're interested in this, it's worth it for hearing his, what he's going to say and do alone. Then in addition to that, there's event support where, and during event support, I do office hours. My other staff do office hours, sit down, have breakfast with me at, at, and we'll, we'll talk about whatever. Um, after the event, we have a talent portal, VSL Talent, which think of it like LinkedIn for basketball. We do a lot of post-event support to get people position where they can get in on things. So if you're interested in all that, August 9th through 14th. So it's coming up pretty quick. Normally I have a five month wrap up period that did not happen this year. So uh, the, this, the train steaming down the track on this one is coming up quick, August 9th through 14th, Las Vegas, Nevada. If you go to sportsbusinessclassroom.com, you will um, be able to see more information about the program. You will be able to register um, for your listeners, Alex. Should we should we do something for them? Sure, that sounds great. Yeah, I think. Do you, do you have a code you like to use? Yeah, we can just use uh, maybe Alex. That would work. All right. So use the code Alex. I'll give you two hundred bucks off the program. Just put that in the comments section when you register. Um, it's a competitive program. So, um, you know, it's not like Harvard where you need to have a PhD in order to be able to consider to be in the program. But I do want people who are serious about basketball, serious about the opportunity, passionate about this, really want to get in there and get something into the program. So you're going to give me a cover letter that talks about that, a resume along with your application. And um, so start putting that together, get it in. Prices are going up on August 1st, because that's where we shift into late registration. So get it in by July 31st to take advantage of the price break. Get it in by July 31st to take advantage of the Alex code to get an extra $200 off. So I hope to see you there. Awesome. Yeah. We'll put the link in the description of this episode too. So if anyone needs help finding it, you can just go over there. But yeah, I was, I was blown away the first time I was there because not only were the speakers amazing, but you know, at the mock trade deadline, you know, the students are having a chance to trade with Wes Wilcox and Bobby mm-hmm. Marks. And then Ryan McDonough, who's like, just, that was when he was fresh off, you know, being the son's GM. And I'm like, where else could you, you know, as a college student make a trade with an NBA GM, basically like yeah, and- it, it was crazy. We've announced him already. So I can say that Ryan is going to be one of the judges that you're going to be going in front of. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's an amazing experience. I was jealous too, because, you know, it, there's a lot of one-on-one opportunities to, to speak with people. And, you know, like there were some students that were getting NBA GM's phone numbers and like keeping up afterwards. Right. It was really, really intensive. It was amazing. It is a target-rich environment, as they say, right? Because they're all there. And and they the, the other nice thing is... They all now know who we are in Sports Business Classroom and what we're there for and know about this program. And most of them have been involved in this program in some way, shape, or form. Uh, And they know what's going on. And they know what I look for in students and that if if I get a student in there, that is probably somebody that they're going to want to pay attention to. So I I think, I literally do think that an, an SBC alumni has a, a front of the line type of, of of in with a lot of the teams in the league. Yeah, I agree. You know, we've actually, we hired someone that went to SPC. And when I saw their resume, I, I tend to look at it as like, oh, this person, you know, puts is ambitious and, and they're trying to get as much experience as they can. And I, I've seen, you know, some of my friends went through the program too. And, you know, they're working for NBA teams now, G League teams. Like there's a lot of people that have come out of the program that have been very successful too. You know, I, I guess, what are some of the success stories that have come out of the program? Oh man, we have, 
we have two G League GMs. We have a number of front office people, plenty of people around the media um, doing things, self-starting with stuff. Um, but I, I want to be careful with that answer because I don't just define success uh, after this program by whether or not they've gotten a job. I defined success um, depending on what that person wants to get out of the program. Sometimes it's they're, they're a sophomore in college and they want to get into this, but they need information about what do they do now to set them up for the next few years until they get into that job market. We help them out, right? Sometimes it's people who want to try this and see if it's right for them. If the answer is no, that's a success, right? They've done this, they've enjoyed it, they, they've had an immensely good time. They've they've built a network if they ever need it, but they they've gotten the answer that they want. Some people have have used this experience. You know, like I get a lot of lawyers coming in and taking SBC because they want the CBA stuff. They're not going and working for team as as the cap person, but they are. Uh, you know, either becoming like some of them become agents, and we have several agents who are SBC alum. Um, or just other people who kind of weave that into some of the law stuff that they do. That's a success. So, um, and there are the people who, you know, then go self-start media or consulting, things like that. Then there are people who do break into the league, um, working for the league office, uh, working for teams, you know, in diverse areas. Not everybody is going to be in basketball operations. And I try to, I don't paint this as you want to become a GM, you know, do this. There are fewer GM jobs than there are Senator jobs in the country by <laughs> right. a factor of three, right? It, it's, if that's your goal, you know, set your sights differently, you know, it's, and if it is, okay, this is going to get you the job. That's going to get you the job. That's going to get you the job. That's going to get you the job that may give you that job. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, Nobody becomes a GM off of this, but like I said, I have two uh, SBC alums who are who are G League GMs right now, so they are working the way. I have plenty of people who've made multiple steps up the ladder on this, and it, it's a matter of positioning you, you know yourself for 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 what you want to be able to do. Um, and it's, again, it's the networking opportunity. We're putting you in touch with the people that you're going to want to be talking to. And it's not a matter of who, you know, uh, which is next to useless. It's a matter of who knows you. And uh, hope, fortunately we've gotten a good enough reputation with all the people that we know in the league that when we set people up with the GM or somebody else, then they know that they're one of ours and, and they they act accordingly on that one. Yeah. I think it's also a good way if you, if you just think, Hey, I want to be a GM. Cause you know, I think a lot of kids that I talk to, they think, yeah, I want to be an NBA GM someday. You know, this is a great way to find other. They even have the team basketball. picked out. Yeah. I want to be the GM of the Lakers someday. Uh, yeah. But that's such a hard job to get to. I think this is a great way to realize a bunch. There's so many different careers in basketball and in sports that you can go down. And maybe this is the job or maybe this is the experience that lets you figure out which path you want to go down and what other job could be more obtainable. It, well, exactly. I mean, and in certain respects, where are the jobs, right? Media is one of the big things. And I don't mean that as like, okay, if you're in the media, you're not doing stuff with the teams because look at how many people bounce back and forth between teams and media. Yeah. And, and when you're with the teams, how important the media skills are to have. So it, it's things that go hand in hand. And the media is unique in that 
you cannot start your own NBA team. You can start your own media profile, you know, and, and doing what you're doing in the media and work your way in. One of my instructors um, is a guy named Seth Partnow. He was um, in Alaska, you know, doing a blog about analytics that parlayed into a job with the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. You know, as that. So him starting that again, one stepping stone to the next, right? That is what got him the job with the Bucks. And the Bucks job is what got him a job with me. So he's still moving up. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Larry, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Everyone, make sure you guys go to the Sports Business Classroom website. Again, we'll have the link in the description. Use that code Alex to get $200 off. That's very kind of you, Larry. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, definitely check that program out. I think uh, it's an amazing experience. I would highly, highly recommend it. Larry, thanks so much for your time. Anytime, Alex. Really, you've had a fun time. Make sure you guys follow Larry on Twitter at Larry Kuhn for updates. Also has some great analysis on there. Make sure you guys check out the Sports Business Classroom. And if you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple, Spotify, anywhere to listen to podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.